For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. And Ike, we are nearly one week away from the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. And if you want to place a bet on what's going to happen in that first round, BetOnline is the place to do it. Our day ones. BetOnline been rocking with us since day one, so... Anything you want to think about betting on, just go to bet online because they're open 24-7. And it's not just football. NBA's in full swing, NHL, Major League Baseball, what have you. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. IT, good morning. How you doing? We got a packed show today. Mark and Mark, how you doing? Fantastic. We're going to get into more of your NFL draft coverage. We're going to get into your top five inside and outside linebackers, but we begin today's show with some over-unders. Odds makers have set those for the upcoming season. And I, this doesn't make any sense to me, the number uh, that the Steelers are set at, at eight and a half, coming on the heels of Mike Tomlin's contract extension, entering year 15. We know he hasn't had a losing season yet, and we have a 17-game regular season. I'm taking the over with the Steelers. Take it to the bank. It is guaranteed money, especially coming off the top with our bet online ad read. Go to bet online right now if you want some free money and take the Steelers and the over Ike. Call me crazy. That's my two cents worth. What say you? Let me go on and go to bet online right now, Marky Mark, and bet the over with you as well. Because the Pittsburgh Steelers going over 10 wins for sure. That was good for 11 last year. Of course, they had like a little slump, went into the slump the last four or five games. But now you add an extra game, and you're talking about Pittsburgh might win eight? Like somebody ain't making no sense. I don't know what they're taking. I don't know what they're drinking. But it really doesn't make sense about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you got a coach who's been there for 14 years and ain't never had a losing season. So all of a sudden, he's going to go He's going to go eight and, what, eight and nine this year at the extension? And that's not in his resume? Somebody sleep. Whoever made that bet, you need to wake them up, Mark. And I know the Ravens are the favorite. In my opinion, call me crazy, the Cleveland Browns should be the favorite in the AFC North in the 2021 season. Now, I know the Ravens are getting Ronnie Stanley back on the offensive line, 
I think the Browns have the most talent on their team entering year two with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. They're the team I'm concerned about, Ike, but at eight and a half wins for the Steelers, I know the wheels fell off at the end of the 2020 season, but if Mike Tomlin can go eight and eight in 2019 with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges as his starting quarterbacks, why would he do why would he perform at that same level with more talent on his roster? I know Big Ben's past his prime now, but that's a definite upgrade over Duck Hodges at the quarterback position. Eight and a half wins with a 17-game regular season. This number makes absolutely no sense to me. If you want free money, take the over and take the over <laughs> right now. No, nah, I agree. I mean, when, when it went eight and eight and we came on the show and I think I said, they're going to win. They're going to go 12 and four. I said, they're going to go 12 and four. And you was like, why? Hey, I say, Ben, I say, I say been good for at least four games. They won eight. You put Ben into the mix. He good for at least four. So they wind up getting close to what I said, but this sense don't make no sense. So you know what? I am going to go on bet online and bet the over for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ike, a little revisionist history. What it was, was you had the Steelers at 13 and three. I had them at 11 and five and they met in the middle at 12 and four, which makes this the premier Pittsburgh Steelers podcast and really the, the premier podcast in all of football. Yeah. Um, I just don't get why somebody with an extra game would think Pittsburgh would either have a losing season or break even. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I think Coach T as a staff himself, good for four. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, good for four. And I think Big Ben is good for three, maybe four. So that's damn near 12 games right now. So that's, that's how I'm going to look at this situation and I'm going to call it off. Again, I think that the Browns should be considered the favorite in this division entering this season, given no, the dominance that the Browns have the on the offensive line, and that's where it starts. Yeah, we talk about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the back backfield all the time for Cleveland, but it starts up front with the Browns, and I'm telling you, a, game, a, a player who is very unheralded, if you want to know how football operates at the line of scrimmage, Wyatt Teller from the right guard position for the Cleveland Browns. Look at the stats of the games he played versus the games he didn't play. And you you say the word nasty, Ike. His physicality, his contact at the line of scrimmage, a man's man on the offensive line. And that's where it starts for the Browns. And that's why I think the Browns should be considered the favorites in the AFC North headed into this upcoming season. No, I get a lot of pushback for this, but I agree with you. I think the Browns should be favored off of what they did last year towards the end, end of the season after coming in and going into Pittsburgh with your special team coach being the head coach because your coach had caught the 19 after picking up an offensive lineman off the street and wind up filling in that day and wind up going into Pittsburgh and running with Nick Chubbs and Kareem Hunt after defense played so well. Then when you look in the offseason, what they didn't do, what they didn't did to their defense. Yeah, I agree 100% that the Browns should be the favorite. Not saying they're going to win it all, but off of what they did last year and the recipe that they have, like they got the Pittsburgh recipe and that's playing good defense, having a strong, mean offensive line and a good running game. Let Baker Mayfield be Baker Mayfield when we need him to be, but we're not going to put everything on his shoulders. And that's what I think the Pittsburgh Steelers need to go back to. But that's what the Cleveland Browns are doing right now. And this was an AFC North division that got three teams into the postseason in 2020. I think that's something you could see as a trend continue in the future. 
Browns over under win total set at 10. I'd take the over for the Browns. The Ravens at 11 and a half and the Bengals at six and a half. I'm going to take the under on both the Ravens and the Bengals. The Bengals, we'll see how Joe Burrow bounces back from his season-ending injury. And then the Ravens, I know that they're going to be a very good team. Again, I know they had injuries on the offensive line, namely Ronnie Stanley, the, the offensive tackle who is protecting Lamar Jackson. But to me, it's it's Cleveland. For me, I would put Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and, and, and Baltimore kind of 2A, 2B, and then the Bengals. I'm not sure how the Bengals are going to fare. I'm really curious to see what Cincinnati does with the fifth overall pick in the draft here in about a week. So we'll see how all that shakes out. But again, I'm going to take the over for the Browns. I'm going to take the over for the Steelers. I'm going to take the under for the Ravens and the under for the Bengals. But what do you think about the rest of those teams in the division, Ike? Oh, man, you talk about Pittsburgh at two. And I'm, I'm looking at the Ravens at three. I'm looking at the Bengals at four. But the crazy thing about it is if all the quarterbacks stay healthy, this might 10 to six ain't gonna get you in. I mean, 11 to six ain't, ain't gonna get you in no more. And that's and that's how I'm looking at it. Uh, you really have to get the 12 games um, in this division. I'm talking about the AFC North division. I personally think you gotta get the 12 games to get to the tournament and the tournament is the playoffs for the AFC North. This is a tough division. And we all saw what Joe Burrow was doing before he got hurt. We all know what a league MVP and Lamar Jackson do on a daily basis, you saw the growth and maturity because Steve Stefanski and their offense with the Cleveland Browns. And of course the Pittsburgh Steelers went 11 and 0 at the time, uh, wind up sliding into the playoffs. So like, like you say, man, I think personally, this is the toughest division, the AFC North. So we'll see what's going on, but 12 and six, no, 12 and five, I'm sorry. 12 and five will get you in the dope, my personal opinion. 12, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy we saying that because they added a game. So 12 and five can get you in a tournament. Um, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, last year, 10 and, six, 10 and six couldn't even get the Miami Dolphins in the tournament. So it's going to be very important uh, for the AFC North people to win their divisional games and not split games in the AFC North. I'm glad I'm not the only one who gets boosted up by the 17 game right. regular season. Ike, right. Cause it's like doing live math on the air is always, it's always troublesome. But, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned in the AFC and we always I always push back of can we get one of these? Can we trade some teams from the AFC with the teams in the NFC East? Just because <laughs> <laughs> you're getting about a 500 team get into the playoffs in the NFC East, where it is an absolute dogfight to get in from the AFC perspective. Now, Kansas City, the Chiefs, uh, their over under win total is at 12 and a half. That is tied with the 2017 New England Patriots for the highest mark. But again, you go from that difference of a 16-game regular season to a 17-game regular season. The Miami Dolphins made the biggest jump year over year with a four-win projected jump. The Washington football team made a three-year or a three-win jump as well in the over-under win totals. But we're going to see how this – I think Miami going to slide down, Mark. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, but you're I, fine. I just... Go ahead. I just don't have any faith in uh in Tua like that. I thought they should they should have kept uh Fitz Fitz Magic. I'm gonna see what they're gonna I'm gonna see what they do for this draft upcoming draft. But man, I, I don't think I don't think they're gonna get the ten wins this year. I'm sorry. 
hey, I, I know you're not the only one who feels that way. And I know you actually were a proponent of the dueling banjos routine between Fitzpatrick and Tua. Now it's all on Tua's shoulders. And Ike, that is a tremendous segue to our next segment where you'll discuss the top inside linebackers headed into the 2021 NFL draft. And we start with Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. Ike, what did you see from him on film? What I didn't see. Hey, Micah, would you mind playing outside linebacker? Sure, coach. I can get a couple of sacks. Hey, Micah, would you line up playing corner? Sure, coach. I can get a couple of interceptions. Hey, Micah, would you line up? Would you mind lining up playing safety? Sure, coach. I can come downhill and smack somebody in the face. That's what I do on the off anyway. So when I turned in the tape <laughs> of Michael Parson, it was like, dang, I think I'm watching Ryan Shazier. Because I remember when Ryan wow. Shazier came into our offense, me into our defense, you can put him anywhere. You can put Ryan at corner. You can put Ryan at safety. You can leave Ryan at inside linebacker. You can put Ryan at outside linebacker. That's how talented, smooth, and fast, and comfortable he was. And this is exactly how Michael Parson is. He just pops up off the tape. Even, even when you listen to the commentary, it's Michael Parson, Michael Parson, Michael Parson. <laughs> so you, you just like, damn, Penn State just got one guy on that defense. No, nah, they don't. They actually got two, but that's how good Michael Parson is. Then when you go back to when he was in high school and he was going to all these camps, the reason why I was mentioning outside linebacker, inside linebacker, corner, safety, because that's what they was having them do. That's what they was having them play. That's just how talented he is. When you want to talk about a guy who can close, get from point A to point B in the blink of an eye, that's Michael, Par that's Michael Parson. All you got to do is watch the top bowl games. And when you watch the top bowl games, when you want somebody to play big in big moments, that's Michael. So that's why I got him number one on the board because on defense, he's going to come in right now and be a factor. A couple things I want to talk about with Parsons. 439 40-yard dash hike. So all over the field. To tease ahead to the listeners of our next segment, we're not going there quite yet, but Micah Parsons is also going to be a player who winds up as <laughs> a top inside and outside linebacker. So spoiler alert. But player did not play in 2020. And I don't fault him for this at all because he has a young son. And at the time when he decided not to play, so he was more concerned about the health of his son. We now know retrospect 2020 that he probably could have played and been safe and healthy. But I remember, remember when the big 10 schedule came out and they were the first mm -hmm. conference to come out with the schedule. And then less than a week later, they decide to cancel the season before any of the other conferences. So in terms of the protocols and the safeties that were in place and really the unknown that we had with the pandemic, I'm not going to hold that against Parsons at all. Now, there are some character concerns with him because of a hazing incident at Penn State, and Parsons' accuser actually filed a lawsuit against head coach James Franklin, the university, claiming the coach had ignored the claims. University investigated, and the district attorney decided not to bring about charges, and now Penn State has filed for the suit to be dismissed. So hopefully that can be something he learns from potential character flaw with Parsons. But in terms of his ability of what he brings on the football field, there's no question wherever you line him up, he's a playmaker. Yeah. And that's, I think for Micah standpoint, that's what you got to understand, man. I'm about to be a professional. So I can't have these character flaws. Now what I do on the field, I don't think too many people can do in the world. That's why I'm going to go so high in this draft. 
But at the same time, that's going to leave a question mark to a GM or a head coach or an owner on on the on the off the field issues. Because when I'm paying you and you have freedom, you got a lot of free time at home off the field. But I think he'll I think he'll gather himself and understand what it is to be a professional. I think as soon as he come in, he's going to start as a rookie. I think as soon as he hit the field, he's going to be a, a, a field general. So he going to understand, man, I got to be the quarterback of this defense. So hopefully that won't carry over to the NFL. Let's go to your number two inside linebacker, Ike. And when I was watching film, I'm going to be honest with you, I had to like double check and triple check that LSU's Jabril Cox was actually a linebacker because of how many interceptions he had and how he was making plays all over the field. He was everywhere. But what did you see? What does he bring to the table from a linebacker standpoint? He, he's another one of these athletes um, transferred from North Dakota. Uh, they was calling him a nickelback, but he wound up playing inside and outside linebacker. You're talking about a guy who just has a natural instinct for the ball, a natural instinct on where the player is going. So obviously he must be doing a lot of good film study. So when I looked at Jabril Cox, I was like, dang, he, he has a safety body. He's fast enough to play corner or nickel but he's very instinctive to be around the line of scrimmage. And that's hard to do. So when I saw him, the man, the thing that stood out to me was when they played Florida. And I don't know if you remember, man, they had a lot of fog in Florida on, on a couple of plays because of a celebration. He wound up checking the slot receiver. And, that, and, this, and this 40, 50 yards down the field wind up getting a PBU. But I'm like, man, it's hard just in general because it was hard for me at sometimes to be comfortable in playing the space and tracking the ball. He tracks the ball naturally down the field. You know, he gets his heads around, he gets his head around naturally down the field. So when you have a guy like Jabril Cox who 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 played corner, who's comfortable in space, who can whose natural instincts is is being around the line of scrimmage, that's a good mix. So when I saw him, man, I had to put him at number two for the inside linebacker for me. Jabril Cox going up against a potent Florida offense. Kyle Trask Correct. is going to be a draft pick. You have Kadarius Tony at the receiver position and Kyle Pitts at the tight end position. So a high-powered Florida offense. What I remember from that game, Mike, was one of the Florida players throwing an LSU player's shoe, and it wound up costing Florida the game and potentially a spot in the college football playoff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, that game was crazy. I mean, it, I, I watched that game, but – I watched that game as a whole, but then when you pop in the Jabril uh, Cox State, um, and then when you look at other guys on Florida who's going high, the Kyle Pitts, the, Strat, the Trash, the Tonys, when you look at all these guys, you're like, dang, in one game, man, we possibly have four guys that go first round that, that we watch. So, um, but he stood out, you know, so that's, that's, that's what caught my eye on Jabril. Just very athletic. I, I, I put in my notes, he's probably the best athlete and the reason why I think he the reason why I think he's probably the best athlete in this group because of the multiple positions he can play and he's not afraid to run down the field 40 50 yards with these nickels and these slots and these tight ends you're gonna need a guy like Jabril Cox in the NFL now because you got guys like Kyle Pitts that's coming out at these tight end positions we're going to go to Tulsa for your number three inside linebacker oh, in the yeah. 2021 draft. Zaven Collins and Ike, you yeah. know I always like the players who previously played quarterback. 
He's also playing tight end for the team before they had a need at the linebacker position. They plug him in, they play him, and he plays out of his mind at the linebacker position. And now looks like he's going to be a top draft pick here in the NFL draft. What did you see from him on the tape? His pro day numbers aren't going to wow you. You put in his tape, you can be like, God damn, Zay. Every time you watch him in the NFL from this point on, this is exactly what we're going to be saying, Mark. God damn, Zay. Because <laughs> every time I watched him and I popped in the tape from Tulsa, whether he was playing inside linebacker position, outside linebacker position, catching picks, uh, playing man-to-man, filling the holes on the back of the defense, understanding what the quarterback was trying to do. Sometimes he'll play defensive line. I was like, God damn, Zay. <laughs> so, and he's another one of these guys that just naturally is very instinctive, I guess, because he didn't play multiple positions on, on Tulsa. So it's hard to find a guy, one, who got that body type, two, who's a team player, because you got to be a team player to play multiple positions for a team. Your ego got to be at the door. You got to leave your ego at the door when you're doing this. But to be so successful and for us to talk about him, at the inside linebacker position, it's like, damn, Zay. And he always came up clutch. Like, whenever Tulsa needed a play, even if they needed a play on offense, they put him at a tight end position, you'll just sit back and be like, damn, Zay. <laughs> so, Zayman <laughs> Collins is really that good when you want to come, when you want to talk about uh, being a playmaker. But as far as, like, his, his numbers, a lot, of these, a lot of these guys on their pro days, their numbers going to look, better than Zay, but when you pop in the tape, Zay is just equally talented as all these guys with the good numbers at this inside linebacker position. I don't want to get too swept up in numbers, but he also swept up in the awards category. Bronco Nagurski winner, Chuck Bednarik winner for the nation's best defensive player, first team AP All-American. So he was everywhere for a Tulsa team where I'd never really heard of Tulsa until, you know, you kind of put them on the map. So, you know, whichever team gets him is going to get a player who produced at a very high level in Stiller. college. He's a stiller. Okay. 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 We're going to, we're going to bookmark this part of the show. We're going to bookmark this part of the show because if in fact that ends up happening, are you saying with the Steelers first round pick, Ike? Yep. All right, we're bookmarking this part of the show because if this comes to fruition a week from tomorrow, Ike, this will further cons- confirm that you're a psychic. I, you, you always predict things before they happen. You told me Baylor was going to win March Madness a month, month and a half before it happens. <laughs> there, there is, there's proof in the pudding, Ike. We're going to bookmark this and remember this part of the podcast during next week's NFL draft. Okay, we're going to go to Kentucky for the number four linebacker, Jamin Davis. What did you see from him? I was looking at some film. It seemed like this was another guy who was everywhere, and he was another player where I'm like, are we watching linebackers or are we watching players in the secondary because he had three interceptions this past season? It's crazy. You said that when you talk about three interceptions, you're talking about being comfortable and covering an open field. And I, I had him as my best open field tackler. And it's and it's hard to tackle in the open field one-on-one with anybody, especially in college, because that's what college is headed to. It's headed to one-on-one matchups, getting my best guys on offense in open space, and letting my best guys on offense go one-on-one with whoever. 
And Jamin Davis, he handled his business at Kentucky. And one thing I know about the Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't mind they don't mind getting guys from Kentucky, especially linebackers. So he was just another one of these ball hawks. He's just another one of these guys who's very instinctive. For me, it was more of the lateral movement. You know, I didn't think he possessed as much lateral movement as a Michael, as a as a Jabril, as a Zay Collins in the open field. But as far as like being instinctive, um, that's what I said. I think this group right here, this group, meaning this linebacker group, is probably the best and most polished and the most I can start in the NFL right now group. But Jamin Davis, man, he's just been Mr. Consistent for Kentucky. He's been the closer. He's been like a, a, a pitcher, a closing pitcher in baseball. So that's what I liked about Jamon Davis. And um, he fits all the criteria. It's just the consistency. And, and the athleticism of all the rest of the guys that's in front of him, which is no knock to Jamin. I'm just saying he got some dogs in front of him as well. I always like seeing some of the top players in the SEC where, to me, it's the closest thing you'll get to the NFL at a collegiate Correct. level. And you see what he does at Kentucky against the best of the best. You'd imagine that'll translate over to the NFL level. Okay, rounding out the top five, you've got North Carolina's Chaz Surratt, another player who began his collegiate career as a quarterback. It's, it's I know what you're doing before you're about to do it. Now, Chaz Surratt, you know, he's not going to wow you either with his numbers at all. He's just going to be one of those guys who going to be in the NFL for a long time, not because of his height, not because of his speed. He's just going to beat you to the punch. You know, he's going to be something like a Zach Thomas, at the inside linebacker position. Short in statue, but since I played quarterback, I know formations, I know tendencies, I know what I know what you want to do on first down, second down, and third down. I know where you think our weakness is. I know what the defensive coordinator is calling. I know what play you think you can beat on this defense. I'm gonna go ahead and beat you to the punch. <laughs> so that's when I looked at Chaz. I looked at Chaz like a Vince Williams. Vince Williams, the inside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He didn't wow anybody in speed. He didn't wow anybody in height. He didn't wow anybody in lateral movement. He didn't wow anybody in three-cone drills. But when you put him on the field, you're talking to another field general, another guy who can anticipate, another guy who's going to sit with the coaches and come up with a game plan. This is Chad Surratt right now from North Carolina. All right, Ike, this is the portion of the show where I have a gripe to pick. No love for my guy out of the University of Missouri, Nick Bolton. He didn't I, I make your top here. five. I, th he this didn't. is where, look, th this is going to turn into a Nick Bolton fan show for just a second here. My alma time. mater. 2019-2020, uh, two seasons where Missouri goes 500 and was a bright spot for my beloved Missouri Tigers. A little bit undersized, 5'11", 237, but he made plays and is able to you talk about diagnosing plays, Ike, and flying to the football. To me, he's like a little bit of a lesser version of a Devin Bush, again, because he's undersized. But if you can get some dominant defensive linemen in front of him from a line of scrimmage standpoint, clear things up and fill some, you know, some two-gap players up front, he's a player that who makes plays. And he also played under two different head coaches and had success. Now, Missouri did keep its defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, when they went from the transition from head coach to Barry Odom. 
to coach Eli Drinkwitz. So that's something that's important to point out, but he's had success with different head coaches at the collegiate level too. I think that bodes well for whichever team drafts him. I think they're getting a playmaker from Nick Bolton at the linebacker position. So I, 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 I was, I was a little bit shook when you didn't have him in your top five, but I got to show love for my guy. Inside linebacker, I got him as my sleeper. So I, I had him as my sleeper for the inside linebacker position. Um, not saying he's not going to be a dog. I think you hit it on the head. Like he got to have two dogs in front of him. Um, yeah. When you say undersized, I don't think people might look at undersized as like his height, 5'11", but 5'11 now in 237, you got to be able to run in the NFL. If not, they're going to label you as a first or second down linebacker. So 5'11", 237 is, is a good height. You got to be able to play in space. And that's what Nick Bowden did. He was able to play in space. And to piggyback off of what you said, when you can have success with two different head coaches, this is just you. You're just a playmaker regardless on who's coming in. If we had three coaches in three years, I'm still going to ball out. And that's what Nick did. We're going to take a quick break and tell you about our sponsor, Kane and Ike. We're both based in the Sunshine State in Florida, and sunglasses are a necessity. They're a way of life, but Kanan they make polarized lenses, the optimal clarity, and really wherever you're at, even if you're not in Florida, you really always need a good pair of sunglasses. Canaan is a great place to check them out and to do that. And I'm excited to have them on as a new sponsor of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Shout out to Canaan for, for, for sponsoring the Believe in Steelers podcast with Mark and I. Whether you're in Denver and you're going skiing and you're trying to look cool, even though you need to protect your eyes, or whether you're just in Florida like Mark and I, and you sitting on the beach and you're trying to get some rays, you might as well put something on that will block the rays from your eyes, and that's Canaan glasses. Use the exclusive code CanaanCast15 at Canaan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's Canaan, K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15. Canaan, clearly better. And we've got that information on the screen as well for the viewers watching the Believe in Steelers podcast now too, Ike. So I know it's a new component of the show, something I'm still getting used to as a host. Oh yeah, it's, you you can adjust to it, man. This this man, you make you make my job so easy, man. You're a professionalist, so I ain't even tripping, man. I look at your notes, I'd be like, God damn, Mark, Mark, man, your notes <laughs> is a damn near a novel. So <laughs> I get, it. I like it. Yeah, I, I'm, I come from the old school, Ike. Encyclopedias were a way of life in the Bergen household growing up before the internet really took off, where you can look anything up. But it was always, hey, look this up in the encyclopedia. I'm old school, baby. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I like it. See, that's why we go, we yin and yang. That's why we get along so well. All right, Ike, we're going to go to your top outside linebackers. And a lot of the same players that we discussed on your inside linebackers list also made the outside linebacker position. So we're going to start again with Micah Parsons out of Penn State. But instead of, you know, recapping what you saw from Parsons on tape, just what are the differences between the inside linebacker position and the outside linebacker position and the responsibilities that that entails? I'm glad you asked. For the inside linebacker position, you're looking at the offense from a free safety standpoint, but closer to the line. So when you're at the inside linebacker position, you got to be able to line up the defense alignment, get them in the gaps and get the, and get the defense set. So everybody at the inside linebacker position, everybody else on defense, 
is waiting for your call, including the secondary. So when it was a James Ferrier, when it was a Larry Foote, when it was a Vince Williams, and when it was a Ryan Shazier, them guys who I played with, we had to wait on the Mac or the Buck linebacker to 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 call out the defense for the strength of the defense. Then we can set everything around that. So that's the difference between the inside and the outside linebacker position. The outside linebacker position is a position where you're waiting on the inside linebacker to make a call so you can adjust whether you're a nine technique or eight technique whether you need to be inside the tight end or outside the tight end or inside the tackle or outside the tackle. That's 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 what we're waiting on, the inside linebacker to make his call, to make his strength call. So that's the difference. Now, on the outside, you're more in tune and you're up close in person with an offensive tackle, with a tight end. Maybe a running back to your side might be able to want to chip you if you're that good, like a T.J. Watt of some sort. So – but you're able to use your your speed, your hands, your quickness. For the inside linebacker position, uh, you got to be very instinctive to, to to hit gaps, to understand, look, man, if I shoot the A gap, I can't swim move it and go to the B gap because I got the linebacker beside me, the weak side linebacker. He's shooting that B gap, but you got to be very instinctive to do it. I, needed to, I need to know where my two D tackles are going. Do I need to play off my D tackles or do I need to shoot the gap before my D tackles? Okay, inside linebacker position. We have a tight end. What set is it to my is it to my strength side outside linebackers to my weak side outside linebacker? Do I need to check the running back for this angle route when he come back out? Like it's a lot. When you're the inside linebacker, when I say the field general, you really are the field general. When you're outside linebacker, you can really play free. You just have to set the edge. And what I mean by setting the edge, if coach wants everything from a toss to a stretch play to cut back in so it can come to the inside linebacker positions, you can't get outflanked by a tight end. You can't let a, a a wide receiver in motion kind of chip or cut block you. So that's the difference between those two. And it's a big, a big difference. When you're the inside linebacker, you are the field general and the quarterback. When you're the outside linebacker, you're able to play towards your athleticism. I think you bring up a great point about the outside linebacker position, Ike. It's a slogan you taught me. and slogan I heard growing up playing the sport, too, is if you lose contain, you lose the game. Lose the game. In terms of Correct. setting the edge and trying to yes. bring the offensive play back to the middle of the field where you have other linemen, other linebackers, other players on the field who can then make a tackle uh, of the opposing offense. And, Ike, that is tremendous, tremendous insight that you provide there. Thank you. That right there is what sets us apart, but 12 years of NFL experience right there on full display. And I know you've talked many times about how you learned from the best of Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin, Dick LeBeau, what have you. And just to get that perspective on what the differences are on that position uh, between the two position groups, I think is just outstanding insight. Appreciate it. So Parsons at the number one slot again, no surprise there. I want to go to your number two slot where you have Zayvon Collins of Tulsa. I saw you ranked him ahead as an outside linebacker ahead of Jabril Cox, but from an inside standpoint, you ranked Cox ahead of Collins. I was just hoping you'd be able to explain that. So I think, I think Zay is a more natural outside linebacker because he really doesn't have to think because when you're in the inside, you got to, when you're an inside linebacker, you got to take care of so many other people, including yourself. So you got to look at the down and distance. 
you got to set the strength. You got to look at the formation of the 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 offense. You got to make sure you relay the message to your defensive line first. You got to make sure in the back of you, your secondary, hear what you're saying. And I saw Zay when I watched tape. I thought Zay just played more comfortable at the outside linebacker position. Even though he's able to play in space at the inside linebacker position, getting zone holes and getting interceptions at the inside linebacker position. I personally just liked him better out the outside linebacker position. Now, if I was a GM and to draft Zay, I would start Zay at the inside linebacker position because I want him to understand what I'm doing on defense, slowly but gradually move him to the outside linebacker position or put him at outside linebacker if needed on certain situations. But I just thought from a athletic standpoint, basically all his interceptions came from outside of the numbers. Now he had a few inside of the numbers where quarterbacks was thought he was going to be in the, in the holes in the zones and they threw straight to him. But I thought just naturally, and his God-given ability, man, he can beat any offensive tackle. He's not worrying about a running back chipping him. He just had a knack for the ball up close in person on that line of scrimmage. scrimmage. Like it's some of the usual suspects. So you've got Collins at number two, Jabril Cox of LSU at number three. Again, you had those flipped from the inside linebacker position. I think it says quite a bit about Jabril Cox because – he was able to make plays and continue to do well at that linebacker position, considering LSU was coming off its historic season in 2019 with Joe Burrow and company. I know Joe Burrow gets a lot of the credit as the quarterback, but this was an LSU team in 2019. Go look at the 20, go look at the subsequent draft after that 2019 season when LSU went 15 and 0. It was a who's who of pretty much every position group that LSU had. Cox stays around for another year, uh, but you saw what he could do for an LSU team that was down this past season, but he was still able to make plays in space. I, I think that speaks volumes to what he brings to the NFL, uh, just because, again, LSU was down. They, they were not nearly as good as they were the year before when they had a historic season. Yeah, Jabril just, Jabril just good in space. You know, but the reason why I had him at the outside linebacker position at number three and Zay in front of him at number two at the outside linebacker position, it's because of the body type. You know, I'm not going to ask a guy to to play, to hit offensive linemen as often. I'm going to use him more to cover. I'm going to use him more to be in space. So at that at the outside linebacker position, he would have to fight with a a tackle or tight end often. I think Zay Body and the way he's built is able to do that often. I think Jabril at the outside linebacker position, he can be more like a rover, you know. Um, I used to call when I used to have my team, I used to call that the uh the X-Man. So my X-Man was more like a rover, a nickel, a guy who can play nickel, rover, or outside linebacker. And you had to be very athletic. Your body wasn't big enough to play on the line of scrimmage every down. You wasn't fast enough to play corner, but you're fast enough to play an outside linebacker position. You're fast enough to play a slot guy. You're fast enough to play and big enough to play a tight end. And you're strong enough to come in open space and fill in holes and tackle in space. That's how I look at Jabril Cox. And of course, 
they had a lot of guys who sat out this year. They let, they had a lot of guys who got drafted mm-hmm. to the NFL from last year, national championship team. And the guy who stood out week in and week out was Jabril Cox. So that's why I had him at number three at the outside linebacker position and Zay number two at the outside linebacker position. But I had Jabril number two at the inside linebacker position and Zay number three at the inside linebacker position. I'm glad I got that right because I almost confused myself. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go again with the usual suspects, though, Ike. Number four at the outside linebacker position, Kentucky's Jamin Davis yet again. So, again, some of the same players that you see, but I think it's interesting that depending on what season it was, and Ike, I know you're a film junkie. I know you watch a lot of film that you saw that, the linebacker skill sets apply both inside and outside. And you right. can't always say that about other, other players and specifically at the linebacker position. Some players are confined, confined to one spot, but you thought that Jamin Davis could play both. Yeah. Um, for him, I, for him in my notes, I said, God given talent, very comfortable in space, very comfortable lining up against the offensive lineman who pretty much doesn't have a chance to play him. That's how I felt about Jamon Davis when he did line up on the line of scrimmage. And the good thing about it is he's not really big in stature, but he's heavy enough to play against offensive linemen. But, man, he got long arms. And if you're able to have that hand, you just like Coach John Mitchell would say, uh, who was my defensive line coach, man, if your hands is good, you got if you got a mean hand game, you got a chance to stay in the league for a long time. And when you popped in the tape of Jamon Davis, man, when you watch what he did, he, he wasn't a good swim mover. He didn't really have finesse moves. He just one, he, once he got his paws on the offense alignment, he can go either way he want to go to. So he was very smooth and he was very finesse with his hands. So say not really with his feet. So when I watched him, man, he just made it look easy on, on the line of scrimmage. So that's what I, that's why I had him going inside and outside linebacker. But that's why I had that number four for the outside linebacker position for this draft. <laughs> All right, finally, a new name to round out your top five outside linebackers, Notre Dame's Jeremiah Owusu Koromua. Ike, another fun name to say back-to-back days right. where we get to do that. All right. Lord have mercy. All you had to do is watch the Clemson tape. When you watch the Clemson tape and you saw number six and you was like, dang, that ain't Jerome Bettis. No, nah, that's Jeremiah Owusu Koromua. That's exactly who that was. And he dominated Nailed that it. game. And we, Nailed it, and Ike, on the first take. Thank you. He dominated <laughs> that game. So when you just, when you see, when you think of Clemson, you think of national championship contenders or guys who probably put themselves in position to win a national championship and to win in the tournament. When I watched Jeremiah, man, he just looked uncomfortable. Um, when you want to talk about passion, that's what he had. He had the passion. When you want to talk about just being cool in space, uh, he he gave Travis Etienne hell. Uh, his first play was to score off a fumble from Travis Etienne. Then they tried to get Etienne out of the backfield. He wound up catching the interception. Then you fast forward to getting a sack. He wound up getting a sack. Then when you fast forward to making the play to close the game out, it was Jeremiah, Carl Moore. So when 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 I just popped in the tape, but his best tape was the Clemson game. I'm like, man, he's really playing at a high level against talented guys who probably going to be in the league the same year or the next year. So um, far as like being in open space, he was always good in open space. When I see a guy who's able to turn their head around when their back is against the ball 
as a defender and able to grab up, go to the highest point and get the ball, them cornerback skills. And that's what he had when he was in open space. He had cornerback skills. He had good size, real good size. So this guy, lateral movement, uh, is not as good as a Michael Parson, as a Zay, or as a Jabril Cox. But for me, he will be playing in the league for a long time because when you look at guys who had got fast 40s, once they start losing their 40s and they starting to get older, we say they start losing their speed. When you have a guy who just a football player like Vince Williams, quietly he's in his ninth year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you have a, a, a guy like a James Ferrier who didn't have a, a good 40, who, who didn't wow you on a pro day, quietly he did 15 years. When you have a guy like a, a William Gay who played corner, who ran a 4-5, 4-6, didn't wire you for his pro day, quietly he did 12. So this is this is this this is Jeremiah's one of these guys. Quietly he's gonna have a long career. I think personally in the NFL, he's just not gonna wire you with this athletic ability when it comes down to the pro day and the numbers. There's a guy with the nickname Swaggin' You who did a dozen as well in the league too, Ike. I'm not sure if you know who that is, but Quiet, I do want to. I, I do want to point this out. Uh, you, when you were talking about the Notre Dame Clemson game, this was the first time that they played. Travis Etienne held the 28 yards rushing in that game in the first matchup. It's also important to note that Trevor Lawrence did not play in that first matchup. He did not play in that game, and then it was a little bit of a different they, story they, when they, those two teams they met still, later in they the still season. They had a stud. Who was that quarterback? That freshman quarterback. Uh, DJ, uh, he, he gonna be a handful. He oh yeah, be a handful. Like, like there's a there's a nice little pipeline there at Clemson. Now yeah, got you know for real Lawrence, <laughs> for real. Uh, Deshaun Watson at least from what you know from his on field ability. Not talking Correct. about what accusations and allegations Correct. he's facing right now, but nice little pipeline coming out of Clemson mm-hmm. from the quarterback position. Ike, we get through your top inside and outside linebackers today. And next week we're going to have defensive backs. So we'll have the top corners and safeties to round out your top position groups. You've gone through and done a tremendous job explaining your top five players at each of the different position groups. So if anyone hasn't listened to that, go back and listen to previous episodes of the believe in Steelers podcast. You provide tremendous insight on what you see in each of the draft picks as we inch closer and closer to the first round of the NFL draft that gets underway on April the 29th next week, Ike. So we're going to round out the top position groups next week. We're going to do a mock draft before April 29th as well. So a lot to get through here still on the believe in Steelers podcast. Hey, yeah. With with this mock draft, I can't, if we can just hit on one, I remember, I remember being on TV and I was like, man, if you can just hit on one, you said that 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 you got good insight. Mark and Mark, we're gonna hit on about three this year. In that first round, we're gonna hit on about three for sure. We're gonna call three. We're gonna call three for sure. Hey, I'm gonna take the over on that. I'm gonna head to bet online and 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 make the bet on that. Wanna thank the folks over at Canaan. Folks over at the Believe Podcast Network, also our producers at Brinks TV. Ike, you're my guy as well. This is always so much fun. Want to give you a shout out and just thank everyone for all their help to making this what it is week in and week out. Uh, shout out to Miss <clears throat> Courtney and her crew at Brinks TV. Shout out Believe is still a podcast. Shout out to Mark and Mark. Shout out to Kane and Sunglasses. Shout out to Ben Online, who've been rocking with us since day one. Um, rate and review. Give us a five-star 
please. Um, we like diamonds. And when you have too many five stars, they wind up putting you a lot of diamonds in your pocket. So put some diamonds in our pocket. So uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for just tuning in and all our sponsors and everybody who's behind the scene for, for making this show work and happen. 100% Ike, and we're working to roll out on more and more video platforms in the coming weeks as well. So look for that on your feeds. You'll be able to listen and watch us really on any device. But I'll go ahead and sign off here for Ike Taylor. I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. Take care. So long, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.